Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Listen, it's the years of hip hop. We got push Shabba ranks in there. <laughs> Mr. Lover Man, Shabba. Mr. Lover Man, Shabba. <laughs> we got to put him in there. God put the years of hip hop. He makes a cut. <laughs> I saw Shabba ranks. And I went to a concert. I went to a concert. I don't think I, it was a Shabba Ranks concert, but I think it was he was opening for somebody else, or maybe it was the concert and it was other people. I don't know. All I know is <laughs> Shabba had a round tilted bed on stage, then like a round tilted bed, so it was tilted forward. So when he got to this song, you already know <laughs> he's on it by himself. But he was working that bed. <laughs> I was like, I was like clutching pearls. Like, what? <laughs> I'll never forget it. Yeah, he was he was a scary looking cat. I I don't know if I could have gone out with Shaba. I don't I'm not certain I would. He just looked imposing. And I don't mind imposing men, but he just was scary. Scary, 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 scary. Whew. Anyway, but uh, I like that, Mr. Lover Man. <laughs> Shabba. Mr. Lover Man. Shabba. Just, I'm just saying. I got me a, a cup of tea this morning. So, you know, I've been on this, uh, uh, this, this health thing. I've been taking uh, magnesium. Uh, and I've been taking the, the the three magnesiums that they say you need for your body. They make it in a, I found one at uh, Edge of the Woods. Did you know Edge of the Woods is the largest vitamin shop in the state? So I said, well, let me just take my ass up there. They got some knowledgeable people, knowledgeable people. You know, they got the people who are really knowledgeable about stuff. And then you got people who are like, well, this is what a lot of people buy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You got the people who really know, you know, their vitamins and like this does this and this does this. And then you got the people up there who are like, well, a lot of people when they come in, they buy this. <laughs> I, 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 I love it. So I was talking to one cat up there and he was like, yeah, a lot of people buy this and this. I was like, okay. And then I was still wandering the aisles and then another cat came I said, well, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. He said, oh, then you might want to blah, 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 da, 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 a whole webinar. <laughs> so then I was like, so I only got two things. I got um, I got the uh, peptides because I need the peptides. Because um, uh, as I'm losing weight, I'm trying to, trying to, trying to, uh, uh, 
the put the elasticity back in my skin, particularly in the in the, the yeah in the skin. So uh, it might not work. I mean, it'll work in some areas, but it not, might work in the areas that I need. But anyway, I'm doing it. So, but I haven't been taking the peptides for the last couple of nights because you know I get it's late and I don't want to take it late. I don't know what that is. I know what it is because it relaxes your body and uh, you know you sleep well, and then you couple that with the magnesium that does the same thing. So I took the magnesium last night. And uh, I got like six and a half hours of sleep. And and I and I know it's because my body just misses magnesium. So so I was like, okay, cool. So I feel very refreshed. <laughs> I feel very refreshed. So so tonight I'll take my um I'll take my peptides. Yeah, I just mix it in a in a juice with some water and some ice. That's how I do it. You know, a little lemon. I like a little lemon water. I got some pomegranate. Or some tart cherry, mix it, hundred percent organic, not from concentrate. You know, mix it, it makes a nice little, you know, bedtime. Tart cherry is good for when you're going to bed at night, because it also helps with the sleep process. So I was like, okay, cool. So, so that's what I do. Uh, mix it with that. Pomegranate is good too. Pomegranate is good for you, good for your heart health. You know, so, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. So anyway, I took the magnesium last night. I feel very rested. <laughs> so I got up this morning. I brewed some tea. I need to um. I need to grind my Jamaican coffee beans. I think I'm gonna do that maybe this weekend, so I can have uh, my Jamaican coffee. But I got a hookup now. Somebody gonna hook me up with some Jamaican coffee, some Jamaican beans. So somebody just let me know they're gonna hook me up. I just love the people I know who know people who know people. <laughs> like, Baz, you ain't got to pay for it. I got you. <laughs> Are you sure? Because that's Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is expensive as hell. It's like buying gold. <laughs> like, oh, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got the hookup. Okay, hook me up. Mm. So I'm drinking some tea, finally. I got lots of tea in my cabinet. My son Khalil is the only one that drinks tea the way I drink tea. And when he was here, he drank up all my tea. Not all of it, but he drank a lot of it. So I think for Christmas I'm gonna give him a tea, tea, a tea, a tea, uh, a a thing of tea. <laughs> it's like Khalil, I know you like tea. And and some honey, because that boy likes honey too. But he's doing all right. He's working on his he's working on his high school diploma at uh adult ed. I thought he was going to get his GED, but he wants his diploma. So maybe the tides are turning for my youngest son, the prodigal son. Maybe. They're all prodigal, let me tell you. So uh, Brianna was in town this weekend, but I was in uh, New London. So, But she came to hang out with her sister. So, so I'm glad. I'm glad they have resolved some of their, whatever that was that they was experiencing last year. Uh, but they seem to be, everybody seems to be in a good headspace. And that's you know as a parent that's all you want, you know. I used to be one of these parents that uh, you know, wanted to. I just had such a vision for them, it, it and not take it in into consideration their feelings. I had a vision for them, and so I drove that vision for as long as I could drive the vision. And you know, like any any anybody who feels oppressed, they rebel and they do their own thing. 
So, but then they come round, they come back round to it. I didn't, I didn't oppress them out of because I didn't love them or whatever. But I, I knew, I know something about the world, and I just wanted to give them a fighting chance, and I think I did. You know, now they're in a place now where they're figuring out what it is they want to be and do in in the world. You know, um, and uh, and and uh, and I and I know they felt like I was putting expectations on them and i and i think as a parent you have got to do that too you have got to say to them this is what i expect um you know because without some expectation they just are wolves <laughs> um and i kept my hands on them and around them as as best i could and i i think as their father did too you know um i, I think he did too I would have liked to have been, I would have desperately wanted him to be stronger, particularly with the sons. He was good with the girls in a lot of ways, but he wasn't that strong with the boys. I think he felt like he didn't want to coddle them. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he, I think he was trying to be tough with them so that they would be tough and wouldn't, you know, break in, in the face of adversity and how hard the world is. But I, I, I wish I wish he would have not had that tact and been more. But, you know, here's the thing. He is much more supportive now and much more embracing of them and their decisions now than he was when they were teenagers. At teenagers, he had very little, you know, he had no chill for them. You know, he's very harsh. Uh, and, and not all the time, but there were moments when he was just like, I was like, damn, are you really going to take that stance? <laughs> but now that he's older, he's mellowed, and, and he's starting to realize he's got more days behind him than in front of him, he has softened and, and engages them a little bit differently now. You know, he engages them a little differently, uh, which is uh, really, really nice to see. It's still a work in progress. You know, listen, they could have had worse fathers, but they didn't. They got Lawrence. They could have had a worse mother, but they don't. They got me. So, you know, and and I, I often think about the places where I, I could have been different with them. I mean, I think that's, I swear, I think there has to be every parent's, you know, I don't want to say regret. I think it's a, I think it's tinged with regret. Hindsight is tinged with a little regret, you know, not an overarching regret where you just beat yourself up about, gosh, I was a terrible parent. No, there were moments when I was a terrible parent. <laughs> I, I, There were moments when I was just a terrible parent. And that's because uh, a couple of things. One, because I probably couldn't control the situation. Uh, I probably didn't know what to do, so I did the wrong thing. And, uh, and I probably didn't have the skill set to deal with it in another way. So, so there were moments when I was a terrible parent. There were moments when I was an amazing parent and rose to greatness. <laughs> well, I can't just, I, I can't live on that street because there's another street, terrible parenting street. <laughs> and I think about that. Uh, periodically, and uh, and I ask for their forgiveness all the time. That you know, there were things that 
went on that shouldn't have went on because I was just a terrible parent. And uh, forgive me, I didn't have this. I didn't have the skills, and I didn't have. Uh, I didn't know what to do, and I was afraid, and and I stood in that space. That's it. I mean, I I don't know how. There's no other way to be. I I I can't sail through life thinking I was this amazing parent. I mean, I was. But there were moments when I wasn't. <laughs> there were, there were, there were, there were, there were moments when I was raising them that I made awful mistakes with them. Awful. And 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 hopefully they can recover from those mistakes. You know, there were moments when I wasn't kind, kind as I should have been to them. You know, there were moments because. I was so mad at them for some poor decision or some old mess they got into. I, I could have been kinder. I could have erred on the side of kindness uh, instead of um, insult, right? I did. I insulted them on a lot of levels for, for some decisions that they made. And then I, because I had forgotten that they were children. And when you forget that children are children, you, you, you levy upon them. Uh, a kind of pain that they don't deserve. And and I did that, right? You know, not, no, now listen, I wasn't, I wasn't not, it wasn't a, a, a everyday, let me grind them. But there were moments in the, in the 20 some odd years that I was raising them that I just wasn't my best. I just, I just wasn't. <laughs> and, and, and I can, I can look on a timeline and tell you all the times when I wasn't my best, when I wasn't as attentive as I should have been, where I wasn't, you know, as kind to them as I should have been, you know, always loving them, always watching out for them, always providing for them. But there were moments when I just was not the best parent in that moment, you know, and, and I own that. Uh, and I, and I asked for forgiveness for that, you know, and that's it. That's it. That's all we could do. So now moving forward, you know, they're grown up. I have different relationships with them, which is what I want. I'm, I'm their mother. They know I'm their mother. They come to me like a mother and, you know, they come to me, you know, and they, and they, and they show up with a modicum of respect, a great deal of respect. Uh, and I, I'm glad that uh, they, they, they know the basics of how to be in the world. They know how to carry themselves. I gave, I've given them a God foundation. You know, I took them to church. Um, even when they, even when they, when, even when they rebelled and I bullied them to church, that's really what it is. I bullied them to church, you know? And then one day they just was like, oh, they just, it was no more fighting about church. They just wanted to go to church. <laughs> and to this day, they're like, they feel some kind of way when they don't go to church on Christmas <laughs> or Easter. <laughs> and we went to church all the time, every Sunday. They were in the choirs. They were in the youth youth group. I thank God for my church's youth group, the United Church of Christ, uh, Church of the Redeemer, um, because um, Bob Parker and uh, and David Carter ran uh, the, the youth group. And, and they, got, they got a real conversation about sexuality. And I must say, and I was so grateful for that, 
for that well-rounded lesson for them because it it made it easier for them to step into whatever sexuality they wanted and uh without being afraid and without being you know because i i you know we told the kids when they were little when they were growing up you could you could you could love whoever you want to love but these are the rules at our house i don't care if you show up with a boy or a girl or somebody from mars these are the rules they were gender neutral rules gender non-conforming rules <laughs> and and uh it was fine. So I didn't, I didn't have, my kids didn't have, my kids didn't grow up in a house where, you know, they had to be afraid to say they were fluid or whatever they wanted to identify as. And they, you know, they, and they, they, they brought it to us. They, they, they brought us some stuff and we were like, okay, whatever. But these are the rules. <laughs> they, these are the break. Bring it up, bring it up, break down. Yeah, that was it. So, so I, so I, 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 uh, I am grateful for my church, uh, for the for that youth group because they got to explore, deeply explore, not some passing. Let's just get through it, get to the next page. They deeply got to explore not only their their self in faith, but their self in their sexuality. And I, I am grateful for Bob Parker and David Carter for championing that group for our kids uh, in our church because uh, that was just grace. And I, I signed all the necessary permission forms so that they could have these conversations. They could watch films. They could read material. They could dialogue with other groups. They brought in uh, kids who came from, you know, who identified all kinds of things. That was grace. Let me tell you something. That was foundational grace. And I wish I wish other kids that I know could have could have had that experience. Because my kids grew up with kids whose parents were adamant that they wasn't gonna be those people. You know, like you couldn't, you if you were a boy, you're gonna be a boy. If you're a girl, you're gonna be a girl. If you're a boy, you're gonna date boy. I mean, you're gonna date girls. If you're a girl, you're gonna date boys. My kids grew up with them kind of kids, and it was it was uh it was painful. It was very painful, and they would find solace at my house because you know I, I didn't let my kids like you know we had rules. They couldn't be in their bedrooms and with company and public and all this other kind of stuff. It was none of that mess. It was none of that. So I'm just saying. So it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a rich experience for my children, and and their friends came to our house because our house was a safe space. It just was a safe space. Yeah, and now their friends saw them get yelled at, get cussed out, all that stuff. They saw it, you know, but but it didn't frighten them. I mean, some of them were a little frightened. We're like, your mother is mean. <laughs> I wasn't mean. It's just maybe I was a little mean, but I want. But they kept coming because I wanted them to be a little bit more afraid of me than what I wanted my kids to be like. 
damn, let me make it this. When they're out there in the world, they got to make a decision. I want them to say, do I really want to deal with the police? Or do I want to deal with my mother? <laughs> and, 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 and even though the police is scary, my mother is scarier. So let me not make a decision that's going to cause her to whatever. <laughs> so my kids didn't give me too much trouble as teenagers. I mean, they, yes, they were assholes. They were complete assholes growing up as teenagers. And they got on my nerves to no end. And it was exhausting. You know, and I know they were just jockeying for independence. That's what kids do. And I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. I gave them some room and then some room. And I gave them some room and then some stuff I just shut down. Like, no, no, you're going to have a curfew. And if you don't respect the curfew, you're not ever going out again. That kind of stuff, you know. You know, I let them have their friends over. You know, their friends came over and hung out. They didn't hang out in their room. That's why we had a big-ass house. We had a living room. We had a den. We had a backyard. They could sit in the front. Whatever. They didn't have, I, I grew up in a time, when I grew up, we didn't have company in our bedrooms. My friends couldn't come hang out in my room. Well, I grew up, I had, we had a den at my house. We had a formal living room. We had a dining room, a kitchen, and uh, and we had a den in the basement. It, it, I don't even think, I can't even call it was a basement. It's just the, the bottom level. I grew up in Church Street South. So some of the apartments, some people on that on that lower level, they put bedrooms down there. My parents, my mother, we had a den, a laundry room, and a half bath down there. So it was great for entertaining friends and then storage. Our bikes were down there. And then and then other friends that lived in the same complex in the same in Christopher Green. On the other side of the stairs, they had an extra room. We didn't have an extra room because we were the end unit. So um, so in the den, there was a television, uh, a component set, like you know, a record player, and the um and the uh and the laundry room off in in uh uh, honestly, got a laundry room. So, um, so I entertained my friends down there. It was great. You know, it was out of my mother's hair. Um, she could come down at any time, but she was like, "You're not entertaining people." Your my mother would say, "Your bedroom is your private space. No one should be in your bedroom." Now, my cousins, when they came over, they could hang out in my bedroom all day, right? Because we were in there. We, I mean, that's my cousin. My mother didn't mind that. Cousins, relatives, you know, close cousins at that. You know, we just hang out in the bedroom. And that's just how I grew up. So so that's in me. So when I was raising kids, I was like, you know, I was like, no, you can't have your friends in your room. But then sometimes I would let them have their friends in their room. Why? Because their rooms were really nice. My room was really nice as a kid, too. But my mother was very, she was like, you need to have a private, everybody should have their own private place that the world does not access. And I didn't understand that. I just thought she was being an asshole. But as I got older, I, I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. So I, I raised my kids with that same thought. I was like, you know, your bedroom is your private space, you know. But every now and again, I let their close friends, their little, their little tight friends go up in their room. They sit on the bed and they had a giant wall chalkboard, you know, and all kinds of stuff up there. I mean, they just had a big room. So it was just, 
you know, but for the most part, they were in the living room or the den or the dining area. They could sit at the table and do whatever, you know, but they'd be in the living room because they could play music on the bows or they'd be in the den so they could watch TV. And they did a lot of TV watching. They always had friends over for movies and stuff. God knows I watched enough Cheetah Girls to know every line, every dance step. She does. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> cheetah. I think it's like three or four Cheetah movies, Cheetah Girl movies, you know, with Raven Simone and them. And they just, oh. So it was like eight million of those. So I spent a lot of time watching that stuff. So anyway, I say all that to say, mom, momming ain't easy, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that they're grown up now and, and whatever, uh, whatever hindsight tinged with regret is, uh, it's not haunting. It's not haunting. It's not haunting. I just, every now and again, I look back and go, man, oh, I'll see something that will remind me of, you know, I'll see something on some show and I'm like, oh. I wish I could step in and help you because you are you are making a very bad mistake with your child. <laughs> oh, if I if I could just step in and save somebody, if I could just save somebody, you know, uh, from making big parenting not big parenting mistakes. I don't understand. I don't understand these these parents who disavow their children. I get it though, because. Because my 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 youngest son was challenging as hell. I never disavowed him. I did put him out my house, and I and I hear people like, "Oh, don't put kids out," but you know, at some point you have to you have to allow them to fall. You know, particularly when they are, you know, borderline abusive. You know, you have to. You cannot take that, or at least I couldn't take it. I was like, "No, I'm not putting up with this. Get out." <laughs> You, you you think the world is going to cater to this foolishness? You are in for a rude awakening, my son. And uh and he's been out there a minute. And and he's now starting to sort of understand time and time again that the world does not revolve around him. And that he's gotta put he's gotta put himself in in his life. Do you know what I mean? Like things just don't happen to you. You know, unless you allow them to happen to you. So you have to change this, the trajectory of your life. And for some people, you could tell them that and they can straighten up and fly right. And then some, they just don't hear you. <laughs> they don't hear you and they don't believe you. So you got to show them better than you can tell them. And so that's what happens. You 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 put them out there, and I know people are like, "Oh, I would never put my kid out, and never." Yeah, you will. Yes, you will when they swing on you. Yes, the hell you will when they talk to you like you like you some trick in the street. Yes, the hell you will when 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 you find yourself locking up your handbag and you're afraid at night and you're locking your bedroom door. Yes, the hell you will put them out. You will, and and and. And I'm, I don't stand in the land of martyrdom. I just, I just don't. I was going to be a victim because one or two things was going to happen. I was going to seriously hurt him or he was going to seriously hurt me. And this has nothing to do with love or how I felt about him, how he felt about me. 
this was a, a test of wills and opposing uh, 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 sense of how we gonna operate under the same roof. And, and since I provide the roof, I have to say on what happens under the roof. I I don't care. You don't got you don't you don't got no say here. Now there are people who will be like, oh, kids should have some say. No, the, the say you get to have is, uh, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. <laughs> I'm gonna respect the rules of this house if I want to live here harmoniously. These are the rules of the house, and if you cannot respect them, there's a whole world out there. It's a brand new world. Go out and discover it. And I guarantee you, you'll get the lessons. You'll get you'll get those lessons full on uh, that we try to uh save you from. So 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 I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Because he's he is finding his way. And he is he was mad and bitter. He always felt like he always felt as though enough wasn't done for him. And I think when you're a narcissist and you're petty, did you always think enough isn't done for you? He's always thought like that. Uh, but now he is starting to have uh, epiphanies. I, he sent me a long uh, message uh, months ago saying, you know what? I, I realized what you were trying to do. He's like, now that I'm out here, hand to mouth, I know what you were trying to do. All the opportunities that I squandered, all the things that you tried to put in place. He's like, I see it. And and he said this without asking me for money. You know what I mean? Like people will say whatever if they think they could get something out of you. But he said all this and he was just like, well, I'm gonna I'm a figure this out. I'm gonna figure this out. It's like, okay. I said, well, you know, you got, you got family. <laughs> You don't got to do nothing alone, but what we're not going to put up with is foolishness and mayhem. And he was like, I know. So, you know, I mean, he still got, listen, listen, got a long way to go. Got a long, long way to go. And, and he's, he doesn't, he hasn't, he hasn't fully embraced that message of it's his life and you got to do better by yourself. Uh, he hasn't embraced it yet. But he's but he's getting there. I see I see it I see it taking root. And at some point you get tired of uh uh hand to mouth living. You you get tired. And it's not and it, it's not enough hustle in the world to to keep you out there, you know, pillar to post, you know, questionable sleeping places and all that kind of stuff. It it will come to a head. So, so we'll see what happens. We poured enough into him that he knows he knows the difference between right and wrong. So, so if he's so the fact that he has enrolled in uh, adult education, uh, got a, got copies of his eighth grade his high school transcripts sent over, uh, and and without any help from me, without making a call, without saying, "Ma, can you help?" He's done this all on his own. I, it gives me hope, makes me hopeful, makes me very hopeful. So, so anyway, I say all that to say, I have some regret tinged with a little bit of a, no, I have hindsight about my parenting tinged with a little bit of regret. 
it doesn't haunt me or anything. It just it's just a a, a, a something that that just sort of floats floats in my in my system in my awareness. Um, and there's no making it right or whatever. It's just I think all parents make. I mean, all listen. I think I know all parents make mistakes. We all make mistakes, terrible mistakes. Some not so terrible. Some terrible. Some egregious. Some some you know. And, and it's rooted in a lot of things. Mine was, you know, fear, didn't know what to do, um, and and control. That's it. And once once parents get over that part, once parents get over the fact that their children are not a reflection in how they raise their children, once parents get over the fact that their children are not a direct reflection of them. They're not many yous or many me's. They're, they're not that. That they are their owned, owned selves, individuals with thinking minds and hearts, and they have influences outside of your purview. Uh, once parents release that, release power and control then they can really enjoy their children now i'm not i'm not one of these gentle parents i i don't like that concept at all and uh i don't believe in letting kids just do any old thing hell no i don't even like kids calling me without a handle if somebody introduces their child to me and they go this is babs i correct them uh miss babs because I'm I'm not your I'm not your uh, contemporary. I'm sixty years old. I you gonna call me Miss Babs? You're not gonna call me. You're not gonna call me uh, out my. Uh, you're not gonna just call me by that. Now some people some people just think that's old fashioned. But let me tell you why it works. Because it puts some it puts a small barrier between me and a child. For their safety and my safety. I don't want them to see me as their contemporary because I'm not. I am an adult figure and I need them to acknowledge that. They can't just speak to me in the old kind of way. And, uh, and they're not going to be able to be in the world without some respect you know um and that's the problem parents parents want all this equal playing field but you cannot put children and adults on an equal playing field it's dangerous you know there's so many predatory people that depend on parents being stupid uh and and not diligent uh that they could come in and you know host your child in ways that you don't even know about. And I just think one of the first lines of defense is to uh, put some boundaries and barriers up so at least your child can operate in that, stand in that. Will it protect them? Maybe not, but it will uh, It will make it a little harder for somebody to uh, befriend your child uh, in, in ways that 
uh, are not uh, legal <laughs> and and that are you know dangerous so i saw so so i i have some i have some real feelings about that so so i'm always no 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 i'm not your friend i'm your friend but i'm not your friend i'm not your contemporary so you know you know that's it and that's you know that's real talk i mean you know i have a teacher uh thanks ife i have a i have a teacher named uh gloria chapman who i saw at the aka she's an aka and i saw her at the uh at the aka fete noir and she's always saying to me uh babs she used to call me Barbara, and I made her stop calling me Barbara. It's like, you call me Babs. She's like, oh, I thought that was just for your close friends. I said, Miss Chapman, it's fine. Everyone calls me Babs. So she's like, well, you call me Gloria. I said, Miss Chapman, I'm never calling you Gloria. She's like, you can call me, like, you are 60 years old. You can call me. I said, Miss Chapman, let me tell you something. You're always going to be my teacher. <laughs> Even though you're not my teacher now, you're always going to be my teacher. She's my seventh grade teacher, my eighth grade teacher. I think, I think my eighth grade teacher before I went off to high school. I was like, Miss Miss Chapman, I'm never calling you Gloria. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even look at you and call you Gloria. <laughs> oh, she's like, okay, I understand. No, you don't, Miss Chapman, because every time you see you, every time you see me, we have this conversation. And I think, you know, she said it makes her feel old by me calling her Miss Chapman. I said, well, Miss Chapman, I, I don't know anything about that. I don't want I don't want to make you feel older than what you are. I said, but Miss Chapman, I can't in good conscience call you Gloria. That's just not happening. So we just gonna have to be at a stalemate here. You're always gonna be Miss Chapman. I'm not gonna call you Gloria. <laughs> just the thought of it just gets me nervous. <laughs> I'm not calling her Gloria. Are you kidding me? Like, hey, Miss Chapman. No, call me Gloria. I'm not calling you Gloria. That's it. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm not calling you Gloria. You know, and we go on and on and on and on and on about this. You know, she was a sharp dressing woman when I was a kid. She was the sharpest black women. And when I was when when I was a kid, she was my eighth grade teacher. Although you know I was an angry kid, so she she recognized, she saw it. You know, she saw it. She saw my anger, and uh, you know, she tried to put some things in place to sort of. She didn't know what was happening. She just knew that I was an angry child. I think she suspected what was happening in my household, because uh, you know teachers are astute like that. You know, good teachers know what's going on. You know, they they have a a mind for it. You know, they they pay attention. And I I was just I just had a lot of, you know, I I I often forget how angry I was as a child, how angry I was, and uh, I wasn't a disciplinary problem per se. You know, I I I didn't act out uh, a lot. Uh, every now and again, I would, uh, I would, you know, flip out. But uh, 
but it was always just a slow, slow burn, right? So, uh, but I, she saw it, and uh, I think she tried her best to sort of help me corral it a bit without really knowing what was happening in, in my home, you know, because things were, I guess in the eighth grade, they were really coming to a head. You know, I had very little outlets to, you know, I, t I tell you, it's a wonder. Oh, it is, It I am in awe how I just, I, you know, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I don't have any, a bunch of babies. You know, I'm not strung out. I'm not any of those things, which uh, if you looked at what has happened to me, that would have been the natural course, that that would have been a natural course that I would be pulling myself up from some addiction or something or other. But for whatever reasons, and, and grace, grace, of course, um, that that didn't befall me. It just didn't befall me. And uh, I'm, I'm always... Uh, I'm always trying to think what happened, you know, when, how come, like, how come I, and I don't ask that question all the time because I have a deep and abiding faith. And so I know how come, because there was something else on my life. There was God was putting something else in place for me. Um, and it would take however long it takes for it to sort of, you know, uh, put me in a different path. So, um, but I, I know people who, who were going through terrible, terrible things and they couldn't, they could not rise above it. They could not make space for it. They drowned in it, you know, just drowned in it. And, uh, and I, I think about that, you know, I, I, I think, I think about that, you know, particularly now that I'm at an age where, you know, uh, people I know, uh, that I knew from high school are um, dying, have died. You know, it's just, uh, you know, challenging. Challenging. So, so anyway, uh, if, if, I, if I had to parent again, I, I would do things differently. There are some things that I would keep, absolutely. But there are some things I would do differently, particularly now that I'm armed with some more information. So when when I when grandchildren show up, and I hope they don't show up for another decade, <laughs> for another decade, um, I, I'll I'll be prepared, much more prepared. I'd be a great grandmother. I'd be like an Auntie Mame grandma. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you've never seen the Rosalind R Russell version of Auntie Maine, I, I would be that. Do you know? So, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. But I'm I I'm that I am not putting in the universe that I want to. I'm not calling on. The ancestors that bring me grandchildren. I need a decade. <laughs> so I can be a proper grandmother. I'm too young to be a grandmother right now. I'm only 60. I'm too young. Let me get to 72. 72, I'll be ready to 
I be ready to be a good grandmother, you know. And my grandchildren could come visit me in Rwanda for the summers. That's what I want. You know how kids go down south when my kids come to another country. My grandchildren come to another country for the summer. And then I'll immerse them in in that. That that's that's how we that's how we we uh we we turn this we turn the, the cycle around on its head. That's how we do it. You know, that's how we do it. So that's what I want to do. Turn it, turn it on its head. So yeah, so no. I, I'm a I'm a mother. Uh I have small regrets tinged with uh, 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 hindsight, hindsight with small regrets. Uh, I, I, I welcomed being a mother, unprepared, ill-prepared to be a mother. No one is prepared to be a mother. Nobody, no one is prepared to be a parent. Even people, and I, you know, and I planned. We planned, so it wasn't like oh, accidentally adopt, but this was planned. So even if you plan and people were planning pregnancies or whatever, you are just not prepared. I don't care what you say. You're just not prepared. You're just not prepared. First of all, and that's not even for the bad stuff. You're not prepared for how much you'll love this child, how much of your life you will lay down for this child, for these children. You you just, you don't even know what comes over you. If somebody messes with your kid, you talk about bear, 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 mom, mama bear. And Tiger Mom, are you kidding? What? <laughs> you will go toe-to-toe like Muhammad Ali for your children. You know, you, it, you're just not prepared. You you are not prepared the level of protective nature that comes out of you for that child. You don't even know. You're like, what? And then you become a superpower because you... You see the pitfalls all around them now. You see every imaginable and unimaginable thing that could befall them. And you work your best to 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 fill in potholes, to make that path as seamless as possible. That's what happens when you become a parent. You you see the road ahead very, very clearly. I mean, if you're a parent worth your salt. You see the role. And so when they're in your care, you just want to pave that road as smooth as possible, even though it will never be smooth because life, life be life in <laughs> life. So what you try to do is do your very best to, you know, I, I like to tell parents, uh, the best parents give the tools, give kids their tools so that they can be in the world um, with some skills. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Don't do everything for them. Don't do their laundry. Stop cooking for them. Stop all that that mess. Do you know what I mean? Teach them how to do things. You know, you doing their laundry because they got a lot of homework doesn't help them with time management. It doesn't help them. It doesn't. You thinking, oh, I'm just going to remove this barrier for them so that they can get to where they got to go much easier. That doesn't help them. And that's not, and when you do that, you usurp the universe's power to do what it needs to do to help train. You know, lessons are lived. 
lessons are lived. And, and if you don't allow for that, you're going to get kids who get in the world and, and they're going to experience overload of senses, of their senses. And it'll be in a way that they won't be able to make good decisions because they've never been in situations where they had to make decisions and have accountability. And, you know, and some of these parents think, well, if they just play on a sport, they'll get discipline and accountability and then a dose of church and they'll get some moral compassing. That's not enough. <laughs> parents got to get out the way. <laughs> you can't, first of all, you can't, you just can't turn your kids over to coaches. You, you gotta, you gotta be hand in hand with coaches. You can't, you, you got, cause you know, it's dangerous these days. There are some really great coaches out there. And then there's some coaches who are not good out there. And, and the coaches who succeed at doing harm know the parents who just turn their kids over and keep it moving. The kids who don't get the harm from these coaches are the parents who are like right there. Like, I know you, I see you, you know, I put all these steps in place for my kid. Tell me who you are, that kind of stuff, you know? So, you know, like, you don't, you don't have to be an asshole parent, but you gotta be, you gotta be on your game. You, know, you gotta pay attention. You gotta be aware. And no, you cannot be with your child 24 seven. You know, this, this story uh, out of New York the other day, yesterday, where these people, one, just put their kid in daycare one week. Heard this daycare was good. You know, their parents, they got to work. These these assholes is running a drug game out of the daycare center. The kids get fentanyl and uh, they get sick. One dies. Uh, they all are responsive, but one actually dies. I, I, and then, so now they're charged with murder. Murder. The, the daycare providers. You know what I'm saying? Like... What the hell? And you you can't foresee that. You can't foresee that kind of stuff. You know, you just can't foresee it because you think people are trustworthy as they present to you and then they're not. That's terrible, you know. That's just an awful, awful thing that they lost their one-year-old child, just all the promise and starting out you know, and it's not the parents' fault. You know, it's just not the parents' fault. But I, I, I bet you though, there probably was some telltale signs somewhere that you just sort of dismiss because it's very small. This is I'm not putting blame on parents. I am not. But I know there were other people in that daycare who were like, hmm, I feel like. It's a very small thing. And I think for, for people, if it's a very small thing, we don't make it a big thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I can easily explain my feelings about what I'm experiencing. So therefore, I'm not going to push against this. You know? that, And I don't say that to say that the parents were at fault. Nope. Nope. Because we all... We all we all have those moments. You know, when I talk to my kids, they tell me about things that happened to them that I just am like, what? What? You know, 
that they didn't bring to me because, you know, in their little minds, they thought they could deal with it or handle it or they didn't want to upset, upset us, you know, that kind of stuff. I was like, who said what? <laughs> Just, it, and, uh, and I think about that too, you know, but you do the best that you can because you're not going to, I mean, you're just not going to be able to be with them 24-7. I mean, just not. You can't. It's impossible. You know, you just can't do it. So unless you are independently wealthy, I mean, really independently wealthy, and that child sleeps in your room every night, and everywhere that kid goes, you go for like ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. There's no way that you can uh, predict or know what happens. All you can do is the very best. And there's a lot of parents out there who are doing their very best. Who are doing their very best. And they don't get a lot of credit for that. You know. But you know what? You don't get into parenting for credit. <laughs> you, you're not raising kids for awards. You're just not doing it. You're just like, I want the my gene pool to continue. I want to build a family I want. And you build it. And you try to do the best that you can. So family is a tricky thing. It's a it's a it's an amazing dynamic. It's also a hurtful dynamic. It's all the things. So I'm gonna take my break, finish up my tea. I will be back at uh 10 15. I, I don't believe I have guests today. But uh, I'm lining up some guests. So don't, don't you worry. Hi, this is Bats Ball Bidey from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP like 103.5 FM. They got boo streaming live at on the fattest hip-hop record he tucks the kinks and sinks into the sounds she frequents the fatter joints called undergrounds our funk zooms like you hit the mary jane they flock to booms man boogie had to change who freaks the clips with mad amount percussion where kinky hair goes to unthought of dimensions why is it so fly because hip-hop kept some drama when butterfly rock the light loose wave boomers what by the cut we push it off the corner how was the buzz entire hip-hop era was fresh in fact since they started saying Audi Cause funk's made fat from right beneath my hood The pooba of the styles like miles and shit Like 60s funky worms with waves and perms Just sending junky rhythms right down your block We beat to rap what key beat to lock But I'm cool like that 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 I'm cool Queen be the chocolates tap to my raps She innovates after sweet cat naps the funk club with the vibrate Then they be crazy down with the five It can't kick a plan, then a crowd burst Me, I be digging it with the bug burst Us, we be freaking till dawn, peace and I He gets a stranger smile, so I say hi What's up? Who understood? Yeah, understood the plans Hit her the beat and put it to his hands What I just flip, let borders get loose How to consume all the beaches like juice If it's the shit, we'll lift it off the plastic The baby 
waves will go spastic. Hip hop is a classic. Pimp playing sharp, it don't matter. I'm fatter. Ask Butter how I zone. Man, Cleopatra Jones. And I'm chill like that. 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 I'm chill. Kids seven and a crescent. Us cause a buzz when a nickel bets a dope. Him, that's my man with the asteroid belt. They catch a fizz from the Mr. Doodle Pig. He rocks a teeth from the Crooklyn Nine Pigs. The rebirth of slick like my gangster stroll. The lyrics just like me coming stacks and rolls. You used to find the bug in a box with fade. Now he boogies up your stage, plats twist the braids. And I'm peace like that. 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 Check it out, man. I groove like that. I'm smooth like that. I jive like that. I roll like that. Yeah, I'm thick like that. I stack like that. I'm down like that. I'm black like that. Yo, I funk like that. I'm fat like that. I'm in like that because I swing like that. We jazz like that. We freak like that. We zoom like that. We out. We out. We out. on my mind, trying to explain what can't be defined, and for so long, it's been so strong, suddenly it's clear, now that I can hear, these love notes, the ones that I wrote, oh these melodies, There are some memories And these love notes I found in an old coat Mean something new All because of you
I've been looking for inspiration. I need a little help, someone to lean on. Can you hear me? Come near me. I've been dreaming my angel will come, but I never expected that you'd be the one. Now I've found you. I wanna stay around you. Suddenly it's clear. Now that I can hear these love notes, the ones that I wrote, oh these melodies. Here are some memories. These love notes I found in an old coat mean something new, all because of you. Why ask 
why Ain't gotta tell you He's right in front of your eyes So in following these principles You'll find along the road You're the only one responsible for your soul uh, It's no coincidence Take control of your life No coincidence uh, It's no coincidence You take control No coincidence uh, It's no coincidence uh, Yeah, it's no coincidence uh, Shells are highly prized. And this one is occupied by a sarcastic
Back to the second hour. That was Fearless by Sticks Bones in the Bone Squad. Thank you so much, Harry, for playing that. Sounds good. Uh, happy Tuesday, y'all. It's beautiful outside. I stepped out on the porch. It was hanging out. Well, I stepped out on the porch just to see what it was like outside. Oh, Paul is here. I think it arrives when? Uh, what's today? Thursday? Sometime Thursday, Paul arrives. You know, so and 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 pumpkin spice is already in spaces. I don't know what it is about pumpkin spice that people just go nuts for. Whatever. You know, you can have pumpkin spice all year round. You don't gotta wait till now to have it. But I get it. There are some things you just want in September, October that you don't like. I like candy corn. I like candy corn for Halloween. I one day I'll just that one day, Halloween, I'll eat candy corn. After that is trash. <laughs> It has no nutritional value. It's trash. It's just pure straight trash. But I only like it on Halloween. And the good candy corn too. The good, the good stuff. And I only like a handful of it. I don't want gobs and gobs and gobs. And you know what else I like too for Halloween? Circus peanuts. I don't like that crap no other time. Once a year, Halloween, a few of them in my hand, I'm good. <laughs> I swear to God, that's it. I don't like it no time after. I can't eat candy corn after, after that. I don't like it. I don't like uh, I don't like the circus peanuts. You know the circus peanuts is in DM orange, whatever that mess is. You know it's poison, orange poison. <laughs> I like it though. Uh. Uh. So. Uh, yeah, so it's beautiful outside. I'm sorry, I'm I'm answering a text. Somebody had asked me to do something. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to do it right now. Anyway, that's the way of the world. It's gorgeous out. So anyway, up on the independent side, I was reading this article from the Connecticut News Junkie about child poverty double, doubles nationwide and debate rages over tenet, connect, uh, over tax credits. And so, you know, our legislator is having this conversation about, this was a, a, a story by uh, Mike Savino from the Connecticut News Junkie. And, uh, and so the poly, policymakers and advocates disagree on what, if anything, the Connecticut legislature should do next session after data from the U.S. Census last week showed uh, child poverty doubled nationwide. And since I'm talking about children for some reason, uh, I feel like we should talk about uh, child poverty. I, I don't know. I don't even know how the United States can even have a child poverty problem. That just seems uh crazy and immoral uh, no one in this country should be in poverty let alone children i i'm not understanding how we just live with the idea with the with the facts of things 
that we live with the facts of things that we could absolutely do something about. And yet we choose, and we categorically choose not to do anything about it. Like we we are choosing not to do anything about child poverty because the opposite of that is doing something about child poverty. And you can't tell, and I, listen, listen, I've sat at tables where you have to make decisions. I've been a legislator, I've been elected to office. I know how legislation works. I know how you fund stuff. I I I I know how you fund stuff. So, but this this foolishness of we don't know what to do. Well, we know what works. Let's do more of that. We know child tax credits work. We know putting money into the hands of working parents, parents in general, works. So why don't we do that? Particularly if we live in a state where we have a daggone surplus. I'm sorry. What when when we <laughs> When we run around saying children are the future, <laughs> what exactly do we mean by that? <laughs> and 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 why is it so difficult to care and take care of children? Why? Why do we are why are we so categorically opposed to taking care of our children? Not children from Mars, not children from the Ukraine, not children from Poland not children from Senegal, because we, we, you know, children right here. Why are we opposed to that? So um, the report did not include state level data, but Connecticut's average S&P rate uh, between 2019 and 2021 uh, was 9%. So, uh, uh, so the supplemental poverty measure across the country uh, rose from 5.2% nationwide in 2021 to 12.4% last year. Okay, so uh, okay, we could attach we could attach blame to uh, COVID, the pandemic. Okay, now what? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do what do we do? You know, yes, we got several factors. We could we could spin our wheels talking about uh, uh, COVID. Uh, many people lost their jobs, uh, while inflation made it more difficult for families to provide for children during a year when real median income fell. We we could we could we could have whole 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 conversations on that. We could have whole conferences on that. Uh, so the United Way president and CEO Lisa Tepper Bates said in a statement that Connecticut lawmakers should take action instead of waiting for a partisan Congress to address the problem. Well, that would that would be where I would put my bet. I would I would take that I would I would stay stand on that. I, I don't but you know you the reason why you wait for that is because you want to kill time because you don't want to deal with it. Well, let's wait and see what the feds do. You know. Um and she she goes as far as saying that this should include bringing back Connecticut's program um uh, uh which expired in 2022 she said. So the, the program, uh, the tax credit, you know, there was a a pande pandemic era relief for families, including a federal child tax credit. And we had one here in Connecticut. And so she is saying, bring that back. What is the problem? Isn't that Rosa Dolores thing that lifted children out of poverty? So, so what we're saying is we don't want to lift children out of poverty. <laughs> we... We want them to die in poverty. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to understand the thinking, like how do we care for children? 
then we should then we should really stop saying we care about kids because nothing in our actions reflect that just just stop saying we don't care just say this we don't give a damn about kids <laughs> fit, fit for yourselves <laughs> why don't we just say that instead of pretending that we are doing something and then everybody's like oh but we don't want to spend the money I, i'm sorry but here's the thing this is what i know and and maybe i don't know enough when you do not spend the money to shore up families guess what happens people lose their children you know or children are hungry and and then they got to get their care through the emergency room instead of a primary care physician uh people people families uh if they lose their jobs everything falls apart everything falls apart so i'm trying to understand what what's so hard about this what what is the barrier here is it because it's more black and brown people but that's not entirely true because lots and lots and lots and even more white folks need the support so what is the what, so what what else is the problem let's go through these barriers and and tick them off cuz i i don't understand how we could be a country let alone a state that does not care for his children. And so the governor says, well, you know, we 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 do a lot. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Uh, uh, we, we do a lot. And, and there's all kinds of things that we could do. All right, governor, lay them out. What, what can we do? Make that a priority. Let me see what you got. What you working with? That's that, see. That's what I want to know. I mean, I, I that's a lovely sentiment to say because you know what? At, at the at the house, your kids ain't hungry. They're not going without stuff. Your kids ain't going, and they never they never went without stuff. I'm, and I'm not trying to be accusatory, but I'm like, step into these these shoes that around you. Ah. We, we cannot, we, if we don't put things in place for, because I, I tell you, the prisons are, are, are open and they have no problems taking poor children who grow up to be poor adults. They don't, they're going to problem with that. They, they probably need it because all them contracts that they got with people for cheap labor you know, slave labor, they need the bodies. One hand washes the other, I guess. Is that what we're doing? I'm just trying to understand what we're doing. I'm just trying to understand how we don't take care of kids. And, and you know, and people find it so distasteful to give people cash benefits. Why? Why is that so distasteful? If that's what they need, and listen, when people need cash benefits, you know, they don't need gazillions of thousands of dollars. Extra $500 go a long way. $1,300 in a, a month, not even a day. $500 to $1,300 extra a month goes a long way. Ask me how I know. Gosh. So. And then, you know, we get into this whole conversation about, oh, well, we need to expand it for, listen, I know that, you know, we have these cyclical conversations that get on my nerves. 
Listen, let me tell you something. This is what I know. I already know. You cannot talk about poverty without talking about education, housing, employment, transportation. You, you can't have a conversation about poverty if you don't talk about education, housing, transportation, <laughs> employment. You can't, right? Because everything is everything is inter interconnected. So we have to sort of operate that. But you can tease out stuff and then come back together and build. You could build a better boat. You could build a better boat. I'm not going to say mousetrap because I don't want people trapped. You could build a better boat. And we have all the intellectual talent to do it. I, I don't understand why we don't. I don't understand why we have these fights about the basic things of providing uh, food and, 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 and assistance to, to children. And by children, I mean families. Why don't we do that? Why is that so hard? Why is that so out of the realm of possibility? Because we, 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 we don't want to see children fed and clothed. We don't want them in good schools. We don't want them in clean, safe neighborhoods. What? We don't, we don't want that. <laughs> so essentially, we just want to be Mos Russia. That's, I'm just trying to understand what, what's the goal here. Because if we're not, it's, if it's not, um, if we're not taking care of kids, and by kids, I mean families. Then why do we exist as a country? What are we doing? What What are we doing? I just, I just, I just want a plain conversation about that. And I know, listen, the complexities of these matters do not escape me. They do not. I am a complex thinking woman. I get it. What I don't get. You know, I this is what this is what troubles me. You know, we get mad at the housing authority for building mixed unit housing with a real focus on low income housing. We don't get mad at developers that come in to do luxury apartments and make it dense, but we get mad if the housing authority makes dense housing. Because there's this belief that, well, you can't just pack all these poor people in a space because that won't bode well. But we have no problems packing in affluent people in a space. Riddle me this, Joker. <laughs> I was trying to understand the thinking. On one hand, it's good for some people, but not good for other people. What is the problem? What is the narrative that we tell people that we can't have you know, we can't have poor people concentrated in, in 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 spaces, but we don't got no problems with affluent rich people in spaces. I, I was trying to understand. What what are we not saying out loud that everybody is thinking? See, that's that's how you get to the to the truth of things. That's how when you start when you start getting in the weeds. I listen, we need to go there. Because I'm trying to understand this. So the Census Bureau uses two methods to evaluate poverty, one of them being the, the traditional measure that looks at whether a household's make enough money to meet a certain standard of living. So the, S, the SPM factors, non-cash benefits such as food stamps and utility assistance, and accounts for additional expenses, including childcare and medical bills. And that's how they look at it. So... I'm trying to understand where the disconnect is here. 
And see, I, I wouldn't be good. This is why I like Gary Winfield and Robin Porter, because they, they have the patience of Job to sit in these ridiculous meetings and, and hash this stuff out. I can't, because I would just be like Jesus in the synagogue and just tip some tables over <laughs> and then be escorted out. <laughs> Because I, I don't I don't I don't understand why we want to live with poverty in our midst. But like why is that an acceptable way of life? And and why and why do we think we can't eradicate it? I'm just I'm at a loss at that. Because we don't got no problems with eradicating other things that uh that uh that uh, uh are are a barrier. Like if there was a barrier to building a professional stadium in New Haven. You best believe it would be moved. I mean, look at all the foolishness that went on to build a tennis center. Oh, I know crickets. But they built a tennis center. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't have built a tennis center because I think women's tennis needed a boost. It needed a place. It needed, it needed all that kind of stuff. But look at it now. It is no longer a tennis center. What, 20, 30 years in? They got got no problems finding money for those kind of projects. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just annoyed at the displaced priorities that sort of show up, uh, uh, all willy nilly when we have real issues that require our care, concern, and attention. Let them eat cake. Well, what cake, Harry? Welfare cake or fancy cake? <laughs> I just feel like no child should go to bed hungry. No adult should go to bed hungry. Because clearly we don't care about kids, but maybe we could care about kids and adults. I don't know. So utilities are tough. I have a tough time planning utilities. I'm on payment plans all over the place because I, it's hard. And I don't even have little kids at the house anymore. But I'm an old person. I don't. I could go back into the workforce and get a high-paying job. I absolutely could. I have credentials. I have education. I have, have experience. I could. I could. Anyway, I don't. I don't want what. I don't. I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. Okay, you might be right about that for your wife because she's smart. Um, no. So, my thing is. Not to be a contrarian here. So that means you're going to be a contrarian? But it's what I do. <laughs> oh, before you do? <laughs> no, so do you means test it? Does everybody qualify? Because the thing is, is that you have, you have people, who, working families who don't qualify for these programs. And then... They see that you know their tax dollars are being used for people who they feel are almost in the same boat as them. So I mean, do you means test it or do you let everybody qualify? How about the elderly? Do they get a supplemental uh, cut from from this? There's a lot of people who are struggling. I I think I you know listen. This is what I know, Harry that anything can be solved and resolved, that we have the ability to think about things on a multi-level way. 
Because if we were going to build a stadium, we would find all the money in the world to build a stadium. And damn housing, damn whatever. We've already have examples of what we what we prioritize in this country. We already shown that. We know we have a high how a low a low income housing problem. We can fix that. We but know we the, have hungry people. But we what can does that fix mean? That. More housing projects? But you know what? What is it? What is a housing project? We're building so much housing in New Haven for affluent. It looks like the projects to me, Harry. I don't care what nobody says. What's the difference? Oh, because these people could pay a high amount of rent. They could pay two to three thousand, five thousand, because this is what these rents are going for for an apartment, starting from a studio to an apartment. You know, and it, you know, there is a difference, right? You have, you're right. A lot of places look alike, especially in Connecticut. You're like you 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 roll down the hill and you're in a condo complex, roll down the hill a little more, and it's a housing complex. But the difference is, is that you see the people who've invested in their lives, right? In their homes and everything. They care. So you'll see the difference and everything. So it's just it's just getting to the point. You you think to yourself, well. A lot of people don't, it, it seems like they don't care about their lives to the point where it looks chaotic around them. And um, so why is my money going to add to more chaos? Or, or why is my money going to to people who, who don't care enough about their lives to, to do more? So it, I'm just saying, you know, the what the average taxpayer who's, struggling every day is thinking it's like man this is this life is hard for all of us you know and it's the middle class who ends up funding everything you know the rich guy gets to hide his money wherever yeah i i don't argue that point because that's the benefit of being rich hide your money <laughs> And, and you know, honestly, Harry, we we all trying to be rich enough where we can hide money. So, right. I, I mean, that's know, the truth, right? The, it is the truth. If I had, you know, a if bunch I got of money, billions of dollars and millions of dollars, I'm I'm trying to hide right. it too. And I can send it over to to Switzerland or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna send it so that nobody touches it. And you know, but at the same time, you have to you have to have a sense of. For me, you know, paying your taxes and everything, is that's patriotic, right? It's part of being an American, right? Um, nobody wants to, to overtax anybody or anything like that. Or at least I, I don't want to overtax anybody. But, but yeah, it gets to the point where people start hiding their money because they think their money's being wasted by the government. Nobody trusts the government. To I mean it, the the bureaucracy the the redundant bureaucracy, um, so many different agencies doing the same thing and I don't married. I don't know what that means because I don't know what agencies are doing the same thing. I have never had that's, that experience. That's what a government is right? I don't I don't I don't ha I don't hold that because I don't have that experience of government like that. 
I think government, we need more people working in government so lines are not long at the DMV. That's how I feel. You know, I got my passport. It didn't take forever to get it, but I know there's a delay in getting passports. Uh, Social Security people, they're not, they're not having any problems getting their Social Security checks because for me, that's the first measure of government failure when people can't get the, access. The computer system takes care of it. Well, somebody got to run the computer systems, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody got to run the computer system. They can't run by themselves. And somebody's got to be able to pick up the phone and talk to people. Have they still have that in place. That's still of part of government. You, you have too much faith in people. There's so many people who just, especially government jobs, don't do anything. Sit around for half the day or three quarters of the day and work 25% of the day. Um, DMVs, I've seen DMVs who had plenty of people in there and still not much of the work gets done quickly. I, I, let, me, I, let me not criticize DMV because I think I got to renew my license soon. But um, but yeah, I, you know, this is why <laughs> this is why AI is going to automate everything, right? We have to sh prove, show ourselves more valuable to this to this system be more productive, more efficient. The most efficient business in the United States, the most, e the most inefficient system in the United States, our government. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I, I just wouldn't say that because I, first of all, I don't, I don't work in government. Uh, I have worked in government. I, I'm not going to say that. People, You've seen, come on. I, you know, you I'm not going to say that. Don't leave their desk. I've seen people who never left their desk, That's and just... it's, and and are getting paid the same amount as the person leaving their desk and doing their job every day. I think perception is, you know, perception. This people's perception. Because I don't well, know if that's the true. problem is that perception is reality, right? And a lot of people. I, I don't know. I don't know, Harry. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be. It's it's so easy to beat up on. Government government employees. I'm not going to do that because that's that's easy. That's easy to it's sort of easy. say. That's easy to sort of say. Let me beat up government because people who do that armchair armchair quarterbacking. I was like, okay, yeah, it's frustrating. Everything is frustrating. I hate being in line. I hate going to Walmart and have to check out my own stuff. I hate that. I hate it because there could be people working there who could be making a decent wage, putting you know putting food on the table with their families. But instead, they got artificial intelligence ringing me out. So, so that's I think that's where I think that's where where it really lies for me. I, I'm not gonna beat up government employees because I I know government employees. They're not malicious people who are well, just I, trying I to suck the government, government dry. I know plenty of government employees too, and and a lot of them are gr great workers. And they they themselves talk about the people who just are house plants or or work plants. Well, I mean, I. I you know, that's, that's every job. Ain't that at every job, though? That's at every job. Every job got people we could talk about. Every job, there, everybody just, everybody got people on their job is like, they don't do enough. It's just an abnormal amount who work for the government. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to malign the government because <laughs> if it falls down, if it all falls down, we're going to be in trouble. So we got to we gotta keep it going by spitting bubble gum. We got to keep it going. You know, I, I I'm not so worried about. But uh, but as far as the kids, it, I would like to know what is the definition of poverty because it keeps changing the 
and the the rate of poverty or or what is considered poverty these days keeps changing and and I would like to know what what is it that that they're defining as the poverty rate raising is it from all the money that was given during the covid period and taking that away bringing them back to the levels that they were before covid well poverty is essentially not having enough resources to to take care of what you need to take care of to live really it's not having adequate resources you know that individuals households uh entire communities don't have means to subsist or acquire the basic um it's like uh, necessities, said, you know, the necessities you know. for for life. So, um, so you could kind of figure it out if you if you look at what things cost in your town. What is the average? What what is the 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 medium amount of an apartment in Waterbury or New Haven or yeah. whatever? I mean, well, and all can of people? What kind of money do you need to make in order uh, to to sustain? A, right. A, a so, place so to that live? they're judging the poverty by the inflation rate now also right so when you have food going up 16 to 18 percent and and you have people's cost of living increases being at two and three percent you're never gonna you're, you're never gonna get shouldn't shouldn't the cost of living be attached to inflation so, so if inflation goes 18 <laughs> you should be cost of living is not two or three percent. I mean, I I listen. I I think if we don't take care of the least among us, then we can't be the best of us. We just we won't be the best. We can't be the best as long as I know that somebody sitting next to me is going to bed hungry at night. Then I I I I can't do well. I I can't thrive. I I could thrive. Um, on some level, but it's not enough. Uh, we we need to have this thought that we want everyone to go to bed fed at night in a clean, decent, safe place. If we just start there, if we just said, I want everybody to eat every day, good food, nourishing food. I want everybody to have some place to live that is safe and clean and affordable. If we just start with that, then we work from that model, not... Oh, whatever. So you see Chicago, I think the, the last Walmart is leaving Chicago. And it was the, the main it's a that's a it's in the middle of a food desert. And yeah. you know one and you know once Walmart got there, it ate up all the stores around it. Well that's yeah. So yeah. that means if it was a food desert before they got there, once they leave, they they destroy all business around it. It's not. It's not even a food desert. You can't even say desert because yeah. a desert is a natural occurring. Uh, 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 is naturally occurring. It's a food apartheid because you're choosing to create that. You they they made a choice to say right, so, Walmart come in here. Right. So now they're leaving. So and now, now they're, they're leaving. So now what happens? So now they scramble to get somebody else in here. Well, now they, they this it's a disaster zone, basically, right where. It's just nothing. And so, why is Walmart leaving? Because they they don't make enough profit. Like what is happening? Well, they have, like what they, is it? They they're claiming to have not made profit for the last few years, and now with all the theft, they're making less profit. Um, so they're leaving. They're finally leaving, and the mayor over there is talking about opening up a city-owned 
supermarket where they will staff it and bring food. But <laughs> I just don't see that working because... Well, you don't know until you try it. And if that's the option... Yeah. Because it, because a city a city a city grocery store could could take some of the hits that maybe Walmart is not willing to take right because Walmart is responsible to shareholders and if the shareholders are saying my investment my return on investment is not yielding me enough for this investment I'm out then Walmart has to say we have got to be responsible to our investors. And this is not a good market for us, so we gotta get out. Well, the thing is, is that now they don't care about bringing good food. That we 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 want Walmart to care. Yeah. I want them to care, but they not, so they out. Yeah, but now when all the theft that happens, if it's a city-owned store, now you're stealing from the taxpayers, and you're letting it slide. I I don't know. So I don't. I'm not so certain that it's it's a theft issue with Walmart. I, I don't I'm not believing that's it's a theft issue because they can cure that. They can absolutely cure it if it's a theft issue. By the way, there's a reason why people don't steal from Fort Knox. I mean there I mean you know, there's all kinds of things that you could do, right? There's a reason why people are not robbing banks uh, like every two minutes, right? I don't want to so criticize Walmart too much because you know that storm last week, Babs, that what storm? There was a big Oh, electricity and yeah um i had a lightning bolt hit right outside my house Oof. and it oh, that's right out... we didn't get too much of that storm in new haven yeah it knocked out all my lights and then when it came back one of my outlets in the kitchen well my lights in the kitchen won't turn back on i got to get an electrician and my tv in the living room we were watching it when it hit it burned out the tv 65 inch TV. So I don't want to criticize Walmart too much because I have to go buy. <laughs> you got, well, you know what? You'll get a cheaper one for 65. <laughs> I mean, thank Harry, God, you thank God that I have so many TVs in the house. <laughs> I just moved the 50 inch from the kitchen to the living room, but now it looks like a 13 inch TV because it oh. was a 65 inch in the living room. Well, you know what? Walmart got you one for like $120. <laughs> you know it, Harry. You know they have a sale. You know you could go online and find you a sale and have it delivered to your house. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, it's, so that's it's why you don't want to criticize because when you walk in there, they're going to be like, oh, Harry Jones, you was talking about us on the radio. So, you know, no, no, no $128 TV for you. <laughs> oh, you, know, you never know if China puts me on the list. I know. This no, guy can't buy from you. The no buy list. <laughs> the no buy list. Well, if China, if you can't buy from China, Harry, isn't uh like uh Taiwan or somebody else? Oh, let me not say Taiwan because China is salty about Taiwan. Vietnam. Don't they make TVs out of Vietnam now? I think they make TVs all over the India. Oh, India and also Japan has Oh well there you go. Um but if you really want that that slave labor price, <laughs> <laughs> let me stop. This is not funny. No, it's not funny, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Because it's ridiculous. It's just a joke, though. It's a joke, but it's ridiculous because that's the truth. Yeah. Although, Harry, they're coming out with the, with the holiday deals. You know, they're going to get you closer and closer to the holidays. 
Yeah, I mean, I was I read a I read an article about people who shop from Timu. Oh, I know, Harry. I'm on the fence. Have you bought anything? My okay. friend Ife has bought stuff. I've I'm bought, on the fence. I don't know. I've bought plenty of stuff, Babs. Oh, have you? And they and could, you've gotten and they it. Could, yes, and they could say actually they're pretty good. Their shipping is really fast. I mean, <laughs> ten days from China is not bad. And the thing is, they say a lot of the stuff is in quality. I gotta disagree. <laughs> I've been on the fence, Harry, because I they come up on my Facebook feed, and I was like, and then my, you know, Ife just moved into her new apartment. She ordered a bunch of stuff, and yeah. it's nice stuff, Harry. And I'm like, uh, I'm still waiting to hear. But then this was what I saw though on Good Morning America, Harry. They had some products from Timo. So that might make it acceptable now. Like, well, they they had a big advertisement last Super Bowl. So I'm like, if they want to criticize it and tell us it's not legit, stop putting their advertisement in a Super Bowl ad. You know. So, but anyway, said it's still the it's still the Chinese version of Amazon. Yeah, it is. But you know what? You go to Amazon and the product is thirty five dollars. You go, you look up that same thing in Timu. And it's seven dollars. Yeah, but some five-year-old made it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> listen, or some, some old grandma sitting yeah, on broken some, glass. Somebody, somebody on Amazon is buying it from Timu and reselling it on Amazon. Well, yeah, there, there you go. All right, we gotta go. Oh, so, I mean, <laughs> oh, Harry, I don't know. What should better. I do? I don't know. You gotta I... try to be better, but we're gonna go out with Shaba again. I, I, I love that song. <laughs> I haven't heard that in so long. It like hit the spot them. <laughs> well, you know, I'm no, I'm jealous. You got to see Shava? That's I it. did, Harry. He had a round bed on stage. And it was tilted toward the stage. And it was he was wild. He's not he's not an attractive man, Harry, but he's got some sex appeal. Well, you know, the swag. Is that I don't know what it is. It's, it might be something. You know what I mean? Like it's something. The swag is everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you look. If you got the swag, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Anyway. All right. Play some Shava. Thank you we for out. listening. Love Baz Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Shava. Shava. Okay.